Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Let's talk about a subject that I think can be sticky for so many of us, and that subject is developing relationship with other women, and specifically mentorship-type relationship with other women, women who are older than us, women who are younger than us, rather than just with our peers, and really having depth in our relationships and doing life together in an organic way, not in a structured or stiff or overly churchy way, but just in a relational and organic and healthy way. And so for this conversation and to dig into the subject, I invited my friend Lisa Bevere, who also really serves as a voice and a mentor in my life. Um, personally, I invited her on to talk about this subject. She actually recently just wrote a book called Godmothers, Why You Need One and How to Be One. And she really, through this book, offers a catalytic, um, transformative vision for women to live in a way that embraces the godmother, the older, wiser woman who will partner with a younger woman to help navigate life's ups and downs. And we talked about how this can be both biological mothers in our life, and it can also be um, other women that we've, whether it's an aunt or a friend or a, a someone that we got to know through our work, it doesn't only have to be your your true biological mother to have these mentors in your life that are guiding you and speaking into you. And I really think she has a healthy and powerful perspective on this and gives us some really great practical steps we can take if we are longing for those types of relationships in our life or maybe have some relationships like that, but want to deepen them and strengthen them through either challenges or hardships or suffering or other things life can throw our way that can kind of throw a wrench into relationships and how they've always functioned and now suddenly either require more of us or require us to navigate those relationships differently. She has a lot of wisdom on this. Lisa is, just to give you a little background on who she is, she spent has spent nearly three decades empowering women to find their identity and purpose, and she's a cancer survivor as well as a New York Times bestselling author. Her books include Without Rival, Adamant, Lioness Arising, Girls with Swords, and now Godmothers. She has a lot to share, um, a lot of wisdom, a lot of truth bombs, a lot of moments where I just sat there and went, mm-hmm, yep, needed to hear this. She basically just coached and mentored me for an hour, and I'm sharing that conversation with you here publicly. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Lisa Bevere, all about godmothers, why you need one, and how to be one. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Lisa, welcome to She. I'm so excited to get to have 
some of the conversations um, that I feel like we get to share now with our, with my community, and I can't wait for them to learn from you. So welcome, welcome, welcome. It is an honor to have you. I know this is like an official conversation. <laughs> We've had a lot of non-official amazing ones. Yes. Honestly, some very pivotal life-changing ones in my life um, in the last several months. And I think it's just, it's so... Um, transformative to talk with you. And I think that those who will be listening to this will have that experience in their own way as well. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I'm going to share this now for everyone to hear because this is, I think, an important life lesson. (laughs) When I went through, so we connected, I think it was in the spring of this past year. And then I went through a second loss and I was in a pretty dark place. And I, you had called me, I think two or three times. And um, I, I kept thinking like, I need to call her back, but I don't want to because I don't need or want to hear anything spiritually helpful right now because I was so mad. And I remember just feeling like I can't, like I don't know how to have this conversation. And then for whatever reason, I think it might've been the second or third time you called, um, I was like, oh shoot, I never called her back. Now I feel bad. But I answered because something in me said, you need to answer that phone call. And that was the day that you and I ended up talking for like two and a half hours. And it was a huge pivotal turning point in my just journey forward after going through some losses. And I don't know if I ever actually have like officially thanked you for that. I think I have in one way or another, but I share that here because for those listening who may be in a hard season or maybe feeling just like like you're in a desert or you have no guidance or you're just really stuck, um, I just want to point you to Lisa for a second because I know sometimes, or just in general, because I know sometimes we can get stuck and then we get angry or we get confused or frustrated and we almost push out um, those who God's really sending to us to help like move us forward. And sometimes I think whether that's a, a friend in your life or a mentor in your life or a sister or somebody who is there to speak into you, I just want to say from my personal experience, um, just, I just want to encourage you to say like, Hey, open your heart to that because truly that was a huge pivotal turning point for me in my, in my own journey. And Lisa and I have stayed in touch ever since, and it has been a huge blessing in my life. So Lisa, that's a fun backstory to that conversation, (laughs) but I think there's a huge, it was a big life lesson for me of like, why was I avoiding that conversation like that? I needed that. You know, I don't know if you've ever done that, but (laughs) honest moment there. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, of course I've done that. Mm -hmm. And you know, here's the thing, Jordan, I don't know what it was, but you know, I, I reached out to you because one of my sons said, Oh yeah, I met her. She loves you. You guys should be connected. I was like, wait, when was this? Oh, like seven months. Yeah. I was like, wait, wait a minute. This was not timely. And so I remember reaching out to you and then thinking, she is just so amazing. I, I loved mm. your zeal for life. I loved your passion. I loved that you were young. I, I love that you're actually the demographic that reads my books, believe it or not, mm-hmm. the 24 to 35. And I thought, okay, I'm going to just reach out to her. I want my Instagram people to meet her. <laughs> she has this incredible strength where she gives women permission to succeed. And I felt like, Jordan, I felt like that was so crucial mm-hmm. because we have so many people that are being shamed mm-hmm. for actually uh, doing life well. Mm-hmm. And, and so when, when people are shamed, they, they shrink, they don't share. And so I, I loved hearing you talk on 
all these things entrepreneurial, but in that moment on the Instagram live, God dropped you in my heart. Mm. And when God drops somebody in your heart, you, you're going to just keep texting them. You're going to keep calling them. Mm. And, and I knew that you were hurting. Mm. And so I just remember I would say to John, John, I, I'm going to just keep reaching out to Jordan until I can actually talk to her because a lot of people are afraid of pain mm. and they're like, I can't, I can't talk to somebody who's in pain. Cause I don't know what to say. Mm. Well, when you're my age, when you're 60, you've learned that even if you don't know what to say, just listening mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt like I was going to be persistent until I got through to you. <laughs> well, I'm thankful that you were. <laughs> Truly. I mean, it was it, it was one of those things where sometimes I think our it's like I think it's it's more of a thing where it's not even really like, oh, I don't want to talk to that person. It's more of like, I know that could bring my walls down. And I'm really comfortable right now hiding behind these walls because I've just had to be vulnerable. Right. And yeah. I think so there's a lesson, I think, in it for supporters from your side. And there's there's a lesson in it for those who need support from my side. And so what a fun way to kick off an episode. <laughs> There's a big life lesson for everybody. Um, no, but I love that story. And I, I'm just so thankful for the relationship that we've been able to build and now to be able to share a little bit. And I think this really leads into some of the things that I wanted to just have you share about today and talk about. Um, you recently wrote a book called Why You Need a God, or you wrote a book called Godmothers and Why You Need One, How to Be One is the subtitle, which I think is so powerful and timely. Um but you talk about, you know, as we talk about how you and I got connected and as we dive into this subject of mentorship and, and everything else, um, you talk about a woman's desire for connection, which is, I think, ultimately what we need in our hard seasons, but also you know, in our in our fun seasons, in our good seasons. Um, but I'm curious how how you've seen that express. Like, how have you seen women sp- express um a need, especially for like intergenerational connection, like even what you and I were just talking about is sometimes we don't need somebody that's our peer. We need someone who's lived life, you know, um, more than us. And on the flip side, sometimes we need someone that's behind us in life. And so I'm just curious, what is that journey to seeing that need looked like for you? And why is that important to you? Wow. Well, here's, here's what happened for me when I was your age, when I was a young woman and newly married and trying to figure things out, I became aware that I knew what I didn't want to do Mm -hmm. and I knew what I didn't want to be, but I didn't know the pathway to how to be who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And I had felt nothing but betrayed by the women in my life. I think when you have situations where, for example, my mother did not get what she needed from her mother. She was abandoned, uh, left to my uh, my great-grandmother to raise, and my grandmother went off to New York. She became a buyer. My mom thought that her mother was a movie star, so she didn't have what she needed from her mom to bond, to build, to love. And so when she got, you know, got married and had me, she didn't know what to give. And so there's a breakdown from one generation to another until one generation, which just happened, I got tapped for it, says, all right, you know what? I have never had another woman pour into me, hmm. but I know I need that. And so I began to cry out and I said, God, I, I need, I'm messing up here. I need an older woman hmm. to help me know how to be a, 
godly, how to be a wife, how to be a mother. I don't know how to do any of these things. Mm -hmm. And I cried out for eight years, Jordan. Mm -hmm. And I was pregnant with my third son. We were staying in a ghetto motel in Rockingham, North Carolina, that was so dirty. I can't even explain it. We were in two double beds. I my two boys in one. My husband it was out preaching at a Pentecostal holiness church, which is not really, I don't visually look like a good fit for that. I had double pierced ears. <laughs> you know, like these women can't even wear pants. I'm not. And John had decided that I should speak to the women. Hmm. And I said, wait just a minute. I, I'm more comfortable with males. Mm-hmm. I don't really like women. Women don't mean what they say. They don't say what they mean. Mm. I, I, I don't have any woman pouring into me. How am I supposed to pour out mm. what I've never had poured in? And I remember God said to me very clearly in that moment uh, where I felt uh, like I did not have what I need. He said, I'm going to call you to be that woman. And I was like, that's mm. a joke. Like, how can I be what I've never had? Mm. And he said, write it backwards. Everything you wish another woman would have been to you, you begin to be. And mm. I said, well, I don't even like women. I don't even <laughs> like them. God. They, I just don't trust them. And he said, I like women. Mm. I made woman as the answer to the very first problem. And that was, it is not good for man to be alone. Mm. He said, women are answers to be embraced rather than problems to be controlled. Ooh, and he said, let's say church, that again, answers to yeah, be embraced to be, rather than problems, rather than to, be problems to be controlled. And that is oh, how the church good. in the past has looked at women. Mm. They control them, control how they dress, control how they talk, control how they act, mm-hmm. put them in a cookie cutter mode. Mm-hmm. And God has never, ever been behind that. God has always been about women as uniquely expressed feminine answers that there are once intimate and an enormous Mm. expression. And so for me, that just kind of rocked my world. And I started to think that's right. Mm. It's, I need to look at this different. So I sat down and I know you're a big capture. You like capture Mm -hmm. ideas. Mm -hmm. I sat down and I wrote it backwards. Mm -hmm. And I said, when she saw me, she wouldn't look at me disapproval. She wouldn't look at me and say, oh, I always knew she was having problems in her marriage. Oh, mm-hmm. look at her with her kids. Oh, she would watch me, not for me to fail, but she would watch over me. She would come alongside of me and she would journey with me rather than be on my side. She'd be by my side. Mm-hmm. She would help me turn horrible moments in my marriage, horrible crises in my relationships she'd help me turn them around for strength and so that just that set me on a journey I think I was 30 at that time mm-hmm. when I was uh, at that junction when I realized it's not going to happen mm-hmm. they're not she's not going to find me and so I think that God is saying to a generation of older women you can retire and play golf and shop or you can redeem every dark space in your life and you could still golf a little bit. But you can, mm-hmm. you, I don't golf, but you can. <laughs> Me neither. You, I think it's it's too boring and it takes too long. But you can take what was a broken thing in your life and turn mm-hmm. it to beauty for the next generation. You mm-hmm. can open up the treasury of what you wish you would have known. Mm-hmm. And you can let the next generation know, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to mark some pathways. Because mm-hmm. zero to 30, you're growing and you're learning. Hmm. See, that's the season you're in 30 to 60, you're establishing and you're building 
but 60 on, you better be imparting and marking some pathways. Can you break that down again? I feel like you just divided the human life into thirds. That makes so much sense. So can you say that again? Yes, absolutely. So zero to 30, you're learning and, and, and growing. Mm-hmm. That's when you're developing emotionally, you're developing physically, and you're developing like, this is what I want to do. I'm finding out. So this is the best time to make mistakes is zero to 30. That's how you learn and you grow. And then 30 to 60, you are building and establishing. You're saying, okay, this is what I'm going to build. This is what I'm going to establish. And then 60 on, you need to be imparting and you need to be marking some pathways. Mm. So I love how the Bible says the path of the righteous winds ever higher. So I think about this mountain of life. And so let's say Lisa is I'm on tier 12,000 feet above sea level. Mm -hmm. And Jordan, she's on the same below sea level. (laughs) I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) No, no. but you're like walking up Uh and I can say, Jordan, the road is washed out. (laughs) Go left. Go left. So I have an aerial view. Mm -hmm. And so the things that are overwhelming on a up close view to your zero to 30 year olds, Mm to a to a 60 year old that's up on the 12 say that's nothing just keep Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. you're going to make it around when you get around this next bend you're going to find a place of refreshing you're going to find a place of renewal Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i get it it's hard right now but go ahead these obstacles they're going to actually prepare you for your next season Mm -hmm. and so you need somebody that when you're in the midst of your pain they add a purpose Mm-hmm. Because all of us are going to have pain, but pain without purpose is what hurts. That's why it was so hard for you mm-hmm. when you miscarried. Cause you're like, wait a minute, I'm okay with labor and delivery pain. I'm not okay with miscarrying pain mm-hmm. because I, it didn't have a purpose, mm-hmm. but I love that you've said, okay, that didn't have a purpose, but I'm going to redeem my pain mm-hmm. for a purpose for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. (laughs) 
Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you, but I had a friend say it really well. She said, it's almost like the unholiest of labors. And when we go, and I think that can be applied to anything in life. And maybe we should just park there for a second where um, I think there's this feeling and I would love your, your wisdom or just insight on like, let's go back to that metaphor of going up the mountain for a second where sometimes we labor through things, whether it's truly labor and delivery or anything surrounding that. But I think there's just things that we, that have been put in our path to work and like blood, sweat and tears our way through. Right. Um, and I think what can be hard is there's times in life where the world tells us like, Hey, if you just stick it out, or if you just labor hard and long enough, you're going to get the outcome you want or that you're aiming for. And I think what this journey has taught me, and I would love what your insight is on this, is sometimes we go through, there's there's like the labor toward the goal or toward the what we're working toward, whatever that might be in whatever season we're in. And if it doesn't end up, we could put all that labor and work and pain and sweat and tears into something and still feel like we come up empty handed, right? Or come up short. Like, well, what was all that for, right? Kind of what you just said about pain not having a clear purpose. And, right. I, and I think that that's why I kind of call those situations almost what seem to be like unholy labors. And from above, you might have a different perspective on that being through some of those experiences. And I would love your take on when we face a season of unholy labor, kind of where we don't feel like our pain is matched with a purpose and we've just labored and toiled after something that now just still isn't working out. 
what is your advice or what would you recommend? How how would you recommend approaching that? Or, you know, that that can create a lot of fear of like getting up and going for it again, you know, because it didn't work out the first or second or third or 10th time, however many, you know, unholy labors we've walked through. So I'm just curious, maybe there is truly a, like a refining that happens in that process when we don't get what we want, but I would just love your your take on that. Well, the one factor that we have is when something horrible and unholy happens in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you're talking, I, I've been thinking of so many unholy things that we see happening in our culture, mm-hmm. whether it would be sexual abuse, whether it be sex trafficking, whatever it would mm-hmm. be, um, an unholy labor being it's, it's just passing pain and blood and discouragement. The thing that we have is we have a relationship with a transformative God mm-hmm. where he takes what is unholy and he makes it holy. When we surrender it to him, he says, no, no, you don't. You're not holding a baby in your arms in this moment, Jordan, but you are a daughter now that has greater empathy than Mm -hmm. you've ever had in your life. And that pain is actually going to work a long term healing process, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've I've pondered this many times about you. And thinking, why, mm-hmm. why so like, like literally mad for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you were mad, but I was mad for you as well. Oh, you <laughs> so, knew I was mad. <laughs> no, I, we had I some hard conversations. Yeah. But, but see, I, I can handle and God, if I can handle how much more can God handle mm-hmm. our God, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. This is not fair. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day saying, all right. I know you're just, I'm just not seeing it right now. Mm -hmm. So I need you to give me some kind of hope on the other side Mm -hmm. and something beautiful. And that's why I sent you that book, Mm Jesse, because I just felt like it was so beautiful and healing. It's not, oh, you lost something. Mm-hmm. It, it something, something is found in another realm. Mm-hmm. So I think in this realm where the broken uh, things happen and the, the unholy happen, mm-hmm. we find the redemption of those things on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I've watched you decide that you were going to lean into God, that you were going to resurrect some things, that you were going to work on your marriage Mm -hmm. and make sure that both of you could heal from the pain because there is pain Mm -hmm. in the season and you've redeemed it. It it doesn't, doesn't mean that you will ever look back and say, I'm really glad I went through that Mm because you'll never see, you'll Mm -hmm. never feel that way, but you're glad that you had people around you that a understood your pain, even Mm -hmm. though they'd never been through it said, you know, and sometimes understanding the pain is just saying, I can't even imagine how bad that hurts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan, um, I'm here in Florida and uh, one of my one of my dearest friends, somebody I just see her as just an incredibly lovely, generous, gracious individual. Her daughter um, committed suicide. Oh. And I, you know, I don't oh. I can't even understand that pain. And uh, it just so happened that on the weekend of the funeral, I happened to be in town preaching. And so when I wasn't preaching, I just sat with her Mm -hmm. and we sat on the doorstep of her daughter and her husband's house and we just cried together. Mm -hmm. And 
even though I will never understand the pain, I, I, I believe it was healing that's just to be there with her. Mm. And I think sometimes that's all we need is someone to say, I am here. Yeah. I am here. You do not have to put on a show for me. You don't have to sound right. You don't have to sound Christian. You can mm-hmm. yell. I don't even care if you cuss, mm-hmm. but, but I will, I'm going to be by you mm-hmm. and we're going to talk this through yep. as many times as we need to. Yep. And that's exactly what you do. And I think that's exactly what's needed. And even what you said, like you don't have to sound or come across a certain way because sometimes it can feel like that. And this is actually something I want to talk about a little bit too, in terms of even just like intergenerational relationship, because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we can be, I mean, sometimes I think we can believe the lie that like, oh my gosh, that person is, I look up to them so much, or they're so spiritually mature or so wise or whatever word or, you know, we, phrase we would use to describe them. And then we can feel when we're walking through something that's hard or that makes us mad or that brings out aspects of our character that, you know, or not aspects of ourselves that wouldn't match the character that we want to display, right. Or that we want to live with. Um, it can be like, well, I'm not supposed to show that. And I, I would argue that's not very human, but sometimes we put these expectations on ourselves based off of how we think other people see us or it's what they expect of us. And I think your invitation to say, hey, all of that's off the table, um, I think just describe, just displays and um, illustrates a fierce faith and a fierce commitment to human, to humanity and human connection, um, which I think is preliminary to, to any growth. I mean, I think that really feeling that, that kind of safety with women and with people in our lives is honestly the catalyst. That's why I love saying your brokenness is welcome here. That's kind of what you just Mm -hmm. said is like, you can come and you can cuss and you can cry and you can scream and you can be mad. And I'm not here to tell you, you should do this or do that. I'm here to listen and to be with you because, and you and I talked about this a little bit, and this is what I'm curious about how you, when we talk about having, you know, godmothers or being either having one or being one or both. Um, I think sometimes uh, in relationships, we, focus on being there for someone. But what you just described to me is being there with someone, whether that's physically with them or just in general, like in the trenches with them. And that was a big differentiator that I began to understand once I walked through some of my own pain, I guess, is there is a difference between being there for someone and being there with someone, although they're usually something you do together. And when you're there with someone, it's like, I'm bearing the burden with you. I'm shouldering this with you. I'm, I'm, even if I can't understand it, I'm in the trenches with you rather than saying like thinking of you and then staying kind of far away, you know, until things seem normal again. And I think you just gave a really good example of what it means to be there with someone. Well, and true relationship isn't performance. Yeah. So if you've got to perform a certain level for me to be there for you mm-hmm. and in you're in pain, that's not going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I, I have friends that are transactional in my life. That means if I'm going to be on the phone with them, I need to be bringing something for them and they, you know, it's, it's all transactional. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be there for me when it's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. But then I also have friends that are transformational. And in a transformational relationship, it is an iron sharpens iron. I come to them and I say, hey, I'm really raw right now, but this is what I am processing. And I can't, 
I, I need to just say it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, you know, we're not talking about slander. We're not talking about gossip. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about cursing God. We're, we're just saying I'm hurting mm-hmm. and I can't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not providing a transaction right now. Mm-hmm. I, I need somebody who's going to sharpen my iron. Mm-hmm. And when you sharpen iron, it is, there's friction, there's sparks. It mm-hmm. hurts. Things mm-hmm. are stripped away. But if you are feeling, and, and I have a lot of, you know, I, I, I feel like I have a lot of experience of, you know, looking to the wrong people for the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can't usually get that from your peers mm. because your, your peers are saying, man, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to get out. Mm. So there are certain things in life you can go to your peers for like, Hey, uh, what breast pads are you using mm-hmm. for nursing or, mm-hmm. or who, who's your OBGYN that mm-hmm. you go to your peers on that. Or what are you guys doing? Uh, as, you know, for, for Thanksgiving or, Mm -hmm. but when you need somebody that is through that system, through that season of life, and they can come back and say, gosh, I wish I would have known this, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I were talking earlier and I, and I, I just want to say something, you hit on something that I wished I would have known. See, I don't like people making mistakes, especially if it's going to affect me. Mm-hmm. But looking back at my marriage, I wish I would have let my husband make more mistakes, take more risks. And and I, out in my early years of control, like, wait a minute, if you do this, I won't be able to control the outcome. And if I can't control the outcome, I might get hurt. Yeah. That kind of mindset, I wish I would have just let go and said, all right, John, I'm going to let you make that decision, even if it is a mistake. Now, I'm not talking about putting people in danger. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm Mm -hmm. just talking about, hey, maybe we should try this. I'd be Mm -hmm. like, no, what if you didn't? Mm -hmm. And so I love that this has opened you up to realize, you know what, there's a lot of things that are outside of my control. Mm -hmm. But I love God. And God ultimately works everything together for good. He is not the author of bad, but he is the redeemer of the unholy. He is the redeemer of the lost. He is the redeemer. And so you need an older woman who's walked down that road and said, hey, listen, I I never thought I was going to recover. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking back and I can see at that worst moment in my marriage or that worst moment where I felt hopeless or that financial crisis was actually a catalyst for everything becoming new in our marriage, everything becoming new in our directions, of everything becoming new in, you know, whatever that idea is. Mm-hmm. And you just need an older woman that says, take the risk, Jordan. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Because even if you mess up, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. This is what I've learned. You know, you have to know people who love and know the faithfulness of God. Hmm. See, I think too many people think it's about performance. You know, God who sent his son to die for us is not looking for a reason to reject us. Hmm. He's not saying, I did everything, Jordan, for you to be saved, and now I want to send you to hell. Hmm. He is not trying to, he's not looking at our performance. He's not saying, gosh, Jordan's a disappointment. He is always saying, I am with you. I am for you. I am I am going to take your worst mistake and redeem it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take your greatest pain 
and make it have purpose. I'm going to transform you into who you have been, from who you have been into who you are becoming. He's saying, I'm going to give you a name that is larger for you to grow into. And I, I feel like religion has really stripped us of our wonder mm-hmm. and of our awareness of the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. What can you dig into why you think that? Just from what I see, you know, I, I have to be honest with you. I, like you, I have a social media presence. Mm-hmm. And every single day, I just see Christians behaving in such a way mm-hmm. that for people to be that mean, it makes me know that their lives are void of the love of God. Mm. Like they cannot receive love from God. So they feel so much self-hatred and judgment that they have to hate and judge other people. And they will say the meanest things or they will just say the most inappropriate things in the wrong moment. And I just know the breath of God has refreshing and love and hope, you know, to keep my own heart. Because I think in these times periods, you got to keep your own heart with such diligence. Mm. You can't allow the things that people say, the random arrows that they shoot at Mm. you to to pierce your heart. You have to really guard your heart. But guarding your heart is different than imprisoning it. Mm. And a lot of Christians, they've imprisoned their heart in rules and regulations. They've put people outside of the box. They've locked themselves in and they think they're safe and they actually have forgotten that they're in a prison Mm -hmm. because it is always easier to live by rules and law than it is to live by relationship and by the spirit. And so I think sometimes that's just what happens. And so I see that hardened uh, response, that cruelty with other people, that self-doubt all the time wondering if wait maybe when I did this that happened now do I think there's consequences to sin absolutely Mm -hmm. do do I think that uh grace is something to be treated cheaply no Mm -hmm. absolutely not Mm -hmm. but I don't believe that God is looking for a reason to reject his children he is correcting us he is redirecting us but he is not rejecting us that's a good way to put it because I think sometimes when we walk through challenges in life we can almost feel targeted or attacked um and we wonder Mm -hmm. like well God then we can question his goodness or his power one or the other right so it's like okay if you're powerful enough to do something about this but you didn't I'm concerned if you're actually as good as you say you are. And then if you're, if that's not the issue, then are you actually powerful enough to have stopped it? You know, and it's so easy to kind of go down that path and then it becomes a, well, if it's neither of those things, then are you just rejecting me? Right. (laughs) Um, I think we can interpret it that way sometimes. So I think that's a a powerful way to look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I remember reading the book of Job and thinking all of his comforters were correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I first read, I was like, yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. And then when God shows up, you're like, wait a minute. That disrupted all of my religious patterns of mm-hmm. thought. Mm-hmm. And that people that have bad things happen must have done something bad. Yeah. No, that's yeah. not true. Yeah. It would and be Jesus a lot easier to understand if that were the case. <laughs> well, and you know why we, you know why we want to think that way? Hmm. Um, A long time ago, I had a friend whose son died and I found myself, my brain doing mental gymnastics. Hmm. And I thought, why am I trying to find something to blame in this situation? Hmm. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, because you want to, you want to make sure it doesn't happen. 
So you're trying to find the one thing so that you can control that none of your boys would ever have any of this happen to them. Hmm. And so I feel like we, 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 we want to say, well, you did that wrong. So I just won't do that. And then I'll be safe. But sometimes it has nothing to do with it. Jesus was like, you think those people that the wall fell down on and, Hmm. and died were all worse than you. Mm -hmm. He said, they're not unless you all repent. And so God makes a way for everyone in all circumstances. And again, that is why I love that you and I have a relationship because you're young and you, you actually help me because I think, wait a minute, it isn't just about what I post. I'm at this stage in my life where I'm incredibly honored to speak in front of people, mm-hmm. but I actually enjoy speaking into people more mm-hmm. than in front of them. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> and you do a great job at it. <laughs> if, if everyone can't tell, just like soak all this up because tr- it's true. Um, and I think that's really powerful because we make, I love what you said. I'm at a point in my life where I actually prefer to speak into people than speak in front of people because mm-hmm. I want to highlight that because, and this is something that I have shared with you before that I kind of, I had been speaking for a little while, but then I felt like my, I was so drained and so like kind of focused on that, that I was missing out on the opportunity to speak into people and then my life Mm -hmm. imploded so then I haven't really even had much chance but (laughs) it's fine Um, but my point is I kind of pivoted away from that a little bit for this season because I realized how glamorized that can be in especially I think in the western culture western church culture specifically to where it's almost like that becomes the goal right it's like if I could only you know write a book right and do the thing and and be on the stage right and I'm like (laughs) okay, wait, I've done that now. And I'm starting to question, like, I want to make sure my motive is pure. I want to make sure I know why I'm, what, what am I called to even talk about? Like, you know, I think we can just look at what others have done and think, oh, that's cool. I want to do that. Instead of saying, well, where is, where, where is this really, like, what gap am I standing in? You know, and you and I have talked about that and it doesn't necessarily have to be in one specific format or the other, but I think we've just, I think we've lost the art of that connection a little bit, or we've just, just maybe not even lost it. Maybe just kind of made it like, yeah, I'll get to that. Like secondary, it doesn't sound as awesome, right? <laughs> when I think that's where the true transformation happens. Well, I had a young girl text me yesterday and she said, do you know anybody? And she told me the area that she lived in. Mm -hmm. She said, do you know anybody in this area that would be willing to be a godmother to me? And she said, I feel like all of the women ministers are so busy about the ministry Mm. that they don't have time to actually minister. (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. And I think we, we can get so busy Mm -hmm. and we forget that, there we have ministry because God loves people. Yeah. Right. He doesn't love religion. Mm -hmm. He loves people. And if you can't see the one, then you probably don't have something to say to the many. Mm. And, and I don't mean that mean, but Jesus somehow throughout all of the new Testament, he'd speak to the crowds, but I always connect the most profoundly when he was talking to the one when he's talking to the woman at the well, when he's talking to the woman who touched his hem, when he's talking to blind Bartimaeus, when he's Mm -hmm. talking to the Syrophoenician woman, when he's talking to Peter, or he's talking to John, or, you know, he's taking that moment where he's talked to the crowd, but then he personalizes it to the one. Mm -hmm. And that, 
I think is we we've got really great crowd talkers mm. that don't know how to do life alone. And so John and I have said, okay, you know, he's 61, I'm 60. We have had the privilege of being in the ministry for more than 30 years, but we have watched the fallout of people who did not make family a priority, mm. did not make their marriage a priority, did not make the one a priority. And they were so busy playing to an audience, whoever that audience is, that they lost themselves on the way. And right now we've got this disapproving audience, whether it's the media, Mm -hmm. whether it's your social media, whoever it is that demands explanations, Mm -hmm. that demands um, conformity. And we just have to be people that say at the end of the day, I'm playing to the audience of one, which is Jesus. And Jesus always cares about the one. And, you know, if we all get canceled, so be it. You know, we God knows how to find a voice wherever he needs to send a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just think, I think right now, looking face to face with people is an incredibly huge thing. And when I say face to face, I feel like that happens over the phone. It doesn't mm-hmm. always happen with texting. I've, I've had many uh, texting errors with my husband where I would capitalize words thinking, hey, that's an emphasis, and he'd mm-hmm. think I was yelling. Mm-hmm. So I think that tone gets lost mm-hmm. in texting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't, you know, we, we need to be very intentional to capture. So if somebody doesn't just hear what you're saying, they hear how you're saying it. Hmm. And we can't do that on social media. We can't do that on, uh, you know, just different formats that, are subject to everybody else's interpretation, Mm -hmm. but not everybody should have the same access to your life. Mm. And not everybody had the same access to Jesus. He had the three, he had the 12, he had the 50, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and then he came and made a way. And as we draw close to him, he draws close to us, but we initiate a closeness and, and not everybody has the right to speak into Jordan's life. And Jordan has the right to edit whose voice she wants to hear. So when people are hateful or mean, you have every right to restrict them or block them Mm -hmm. because we don't need that. Mm -hmm. We don't need to have people being hateful Mm -hmm. in a a time when you're trying to express healing and truth and they're Mm -hmm. just not going to hear anyway. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Um, I want to ask about something practical a little bit too, um, because I think this is something we're wondering. You've mentioned kind of, well, let's talk about this word godmother for just a second, because I think I want to get into the how a little bit. You mentioned that someone reached out to you and said, do you know of someone that might be willing to be this for me? And I'm having a hard time. And I think the problem you highlighted there is really important to take note of. But I would also just be curious, like, how would you define a godmother like can a godmother be your biological mother can you have more than one who can be one who needs one like let's just dig into what that actually is because if we can Mm -hmm. define that then maybe we can take some steps toward okay i'm realizing i want this intergenerational relationship or i need somebody like that in my life well let's go back to our mountain thing Mm -hmm. and you mentioned someone on the path ahead of you Mm -hmm. so if, if you if you were 18 and there's a 15 year old on the path ahead of you, you know, maybe she's been a Christian longer or maybe she's been at the school you're at or or whatever it is. She could be that. Mm -hmm. So it isn't about an age Mm -hmm. as much as it is a journey, like who's journeyed ahead. And so I, let me speak first to the goddaughters. 
if I was a young woman, which I'm not, but if I was, I would be looking around me and saying, who has the marriage that I want to to build? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't look at my friends and compare like, oh, my husband doesn't do what he doesn't do. I would Mm -hmm. say, who has length of days and a marriage that I want to build? And then I would intentionally go to that person. And I, and I think we've made a lot of things inorganic that can be organic. We've been like, hey, we'll do the 13-week study to be a better wife. No, how about mm-hmm. we just do life together? Yes. How about we have people that can model something? So you reach out to an older couple and say, gosh, you know, we just love the way you guys are doing life. Can, can we, like, can we hang out with you guys? Can, mm-hmm. can we do dinner? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or can I just go for a walk with you? Um, or can I work in the yard with something like that Mm -hmm. and then ask them questions and just listen and learn and then, or somebody that you're saying, I like the way they're, they're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're that, you're that you're young. Mm -hmm. You, you can be an entrepreneur godmother. Mm -hmm. When you tell people to own their every day and give them permission, you are doing that. And so what you're doing is you're blessing those behind you. And you're reminding those ahead of you that they have value and contribution. Mm -hmm. And I will say in this youth sex obsessed culture, the older women begin to believe the lie that they don't have anything to offer. Mm -hmm. I'm not attractive. I'm not this. I'm not cool. I don't know how to podcast. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to download apps. Probably nobody wants what's on my life. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be as younger women have to be intentional to tap these older women and say, I see what is on you. Even if you have forgotten it, mm-hmm. I value the life you've built. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. And then the younger women, let's say you're ta- let's say your audience has somebody my age. Um, and so this could be this woman and she's thinking, well, all I've ever done is, is be a mom. Well, first of all, mm-hmm. that right now is a pretty amazing uh, accomplishment. You yeah, know, no kidding. Having, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, but raising kids into mm-hmm. adulthood that are consistently empathetic and caring and concerned and uh, entre- like those kind of things. So like, I know your mom is an amazing mother. So she's that to you, but I bet she could be a godmother to other young women mm-hmm. who ha- didn't have the kind of mother you had. Mm-hmm. And just as she's that to other women in that capacity, I get to be that for you mm-hmm. in a different capacity. So it would be a woman who doesn't necessarily like she's my age, she's 60. She thinks all I have is this or all mm-hmm. I have is that. Well, you don't have to have everything to be something mm-hmm. and you just have to be faithful. Find that thing that you can say, hey, this is what I stewarded well, Mm. and this is what I learned, and this is the challenges I had, and this is what I wish I would have known, and then share it, Mm -hmm. and just share it. So that, I think, is crucial that the older women begin to see the younger women, Mm -hmm. because I think right now the older women are intimidated by the younger women. Mm. They're saying, oh, they're so accomplished. They're so well-educated. Oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, they're so sharp. Oh, they know how to put the right filters on everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. But just because it has a good filter on it doesn't mean that it has depth. Mm. And so we want to help them dig some wells in their life so that their lives will be wellsprings of refreshing, 
They have a lot of surface stuff, mm-hmm. but they're looking to the older women to say, I need you to, I need you to show me the hard things. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. So true. Can we just, I just want to put everything you just said in like a scroll and hand it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hear ye, hear ye, take this deed and apply it to your life. <laughs> so well, true. And that's, that's what Jordan, see, that's why I wrote this book. I thought I need to write the book. That oh I yeah, we have the I scroll. Read. It's the book. Duh. No, Why no. didn't I think of that? No. Well, a scroll sounds way cooler. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Just roll up the book. <laughs> like, the scroll sounds cool. I like it. It's way more artsy. But I thought, okay, people say to me all the time, um, I wish I had this with you, or I wish I could ask you this, or I wish I could pick your brain. And so what I did is I, this was a couple years ago, I said, if you and I had an hour together, what would we talk about? Hmm. And there was some commonality of themes that some of the questions I could answer. And then here was the tragic thing. Some of the things I've never walked. Hmm. I can't answer those things. I've never had a, a child that said, Oh, I hate God. I'm going to be an atheist mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever that challenge was. Mm-hmm. So I realized what I have to do is I have to rally all these other older women who can be the answers to these questions that I can't answer. Mm. And so I need to have them, wake up and realize, hey, guess what? Village life has ceased. Hmm. Trade routes are cut off. Men have been emasculated. Women are afraid. Mm -hmm. We need to figure out what's going on and Mm -hmm. say enough is enough. And let's call forth destiny in the next generation. Let's Mm -hmm. not echo fears. Let's not talk about the graffiti on the tunnel. Let's talk about the light at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Let's move some people forward. Instead of just echoing our culture, let's let's be kingdom women mm. who actually will lay down our life to bring forth life in the next generation. Be uncomfortable so other people can find comfort. Let's be those kind of women. Mm. That's good. That's really good. Um, okay. I have a lot of questions. Um, the first <laughs> out of yeah. that, just, I mean, that's such a good challenge. And I'm wondering if, if someone's in a position where they where they want to be, you know, and they want to mentor and, and shepherd other women, um, how do they, like, this is genuinely a question I think a lot of people are wondering yeah. is how do I find someone to mentor? Like, you don't just like walk up to someone at the store like, hey, can you I help you me. out? Yeah, exactly. So what does <laughs> that process look like? Is there, Yeah. Is there like well, an organic <laughs> way to go about this? <laughs> well, I, I do think, I do think that they can first and first and foremost pray. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you how God dropped you in my heart mm-hmm. and um, I didn't actually think that you would need me. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that in a weird, uh, needy way. Mm-hmm. I was like, this girl, she's got it. She's got it going. You know, this is awesome. But God dropped you in my heart. So I would ask the women that are thinking, hey, um, God, show me. These these young women are hiding in the open. Show me. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things they could do, instead of being like, Hey, Christian moms unite. Maybe mm-hmm. they could just say, I'm going to do something for moms in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we could, you know, start super uh, easy. Like, Hey, we're going to do like a cookout or we're going to do like, okay, I'm, I'm Sicilian. So I, if I was going to do a cooking class, I would be like, let's, let's do a bunch of different pestos. Mm-hmm. And I would do a bunch of pestos and, and the tasting thing. And then maybe from that, I would find out, Oh, there's three, there's three moms here that they want relationship. I'm going to see if they want to go walking with me. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go out and and make it hard or make it difficult for them to like connect like, okay, we're going to meet every Tuesday from seven to eight 30. Cause mm-hmm. that might set them up to fail, mm-hmm. but being there for them, being there with them. And this is why I tried it with the Godmother book. I, I have conversation starters because I feel like you can start conversations and then figure out whether it moves down the road, uh, a different direction where it needs to be like, this is not just a conversation conversation. This is a connection. Mm. And I want to be there for you. And then I think the older woman needs to ask a very scary question, which is, how can I help? Mm. And I think that's a scary question. Mm -hmm. Because that means you either have to say no, I'm not willing to do that. If they come back and say, could you babysit my kids 15 hours a week, you could be like, Nope, I'm actually that one is not something I can do. Mm-hmm. Tell me something else I can do. Mm-hmm. Well, could you give my husband and I a date night once, once a month? Yeah, we can do that one. Like, mm-hmm. so you ask, how can I help? Not, this is how I'm willing to help. And when I had a zoom call with all these younger and older women, I did have someone like, I need a godmother. Some of these girls, they're messed up. See, that's the wrong, mm-hmm. that's the wrong posture. Mm-hmm. Y- you need to say, man, what, what was I looking for at that age? Hmm. Man, I wasn't looking for someone to tell me what I was doing wrong. I was telling, looking for someone to tell me how to do it right. And there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, one is a critique and the other one is, man, I love how much you are pouring into the, your job. And I just want you to know this is something I really found later in life. I wish I would have done this in addition, or I wish I would have made time for my husband because there came a time period where I looked at him and I thought, I, I don't really like you. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love you, but I don't like you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just helping on those kind of things. And then the, the younger women, just again, asking them, asking them, at, walking down the street, looking for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I think if we can't reach and touch the people that we actually can see, then we really have no business pouring all this time and effort into our virtual community Hmm. because there's a lot of people that have spent all their time and all their effort and all their emotional energy, which Jordan, you didn't want to answer the phone because you understood I have capacity for this much. Mm -hmm. We all do not have unlimited emotional energy capacity. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to say, this is where I'm going to sew. I'm going to sow my first and foremost to the people I can see, my Mm -hmm. husband, my friends, my children, my people I go to worship at, the people I can actually touch, my neighbors down the street. And then the next layer is my virtual people that could all be a bunch of trolls Mm -hmm. or be amazing people looking for answers. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's good. Kind of almost... um prioritizing your time. And I love what you shared about, I want to go back to this briefly, but you touched on just um, inviting people into your home and gathering, creating connection there. I mean, my mom recently did this with an apple pie making day with a bunch of women in our, in our family and community. And I think that's really where you could just get that initial look at like, where are people hurting or what conversations are they bringing up or what challenges are they facing? Because that happens in organic conversations. And what you said about making organic things inorganic, you're so right. I think that has happened so much in an effort to put structure to things or make it something we can do in our busy schedules. But if I've learned anything, it's at least especially in this season is, and even with what you just said, is that 
I think that can, when you, when you turn something that's supposed to be, um, filling your cup almost, you know, um, mm-hmm. both from a mentor, like mentoring someone and then also being mentored, I think both experiences can fill your cup in a different way. But when you turn that into an obligation where it's like, well, every Tuesday yes. at eight o'clock, like you said, um, or you go out and it's almost like this super inorganic, like, can I mentor you? Or will you be my mentor? Like, it's almost like just asking to do life. And this was a really big turning point that I've experienced over the last year because there were different, you know, couples in our lives or people that we were, you know, connected with that I thought if they were going to mentor us, we all needed to sit on the couch and they needed to like ask us 10 questions. We give them a response and then we all pray and everybody goes home. And my husband is always taken he's always I think the more I thought about it taken a little bit different approach to mentorship where it was more just doing life and kind of Mm -hmm. building that relationship like you talked about and it not even necessarily need to be a spoken like labeled thing like you are my mentor or you are my it's more just like you are someone that I walk through life with because I'm showing up and I'm asking questions or asking the hard questions of how can I help or hey do you have 10 minutes I need to talk or do you want to go for a walk or these these things that you do normally I think I think church culture has like made it so inorganic in some ways to where we feel uncomfortable and awkward of like, how do we do that? And if it's just, I want to challenge anybody who's listening to look at who already comes to you for advice in your life. Like, do you have Mm -hmm. a daughter-in-law or your next door neighbor's, I don't know, daughter or wife or whatever um, that just happens to stop by when you're, when you're watering your flowers or who calls you at random because she needs advice about a boy or like you're already starting to serve that role in that life. I think we've just made it so formal and like kind of compartmentalized that we miss out on the opportunities to just do it in our everyday relationships already. Absolutely. You know, I have three daughter-in-laws and I don't even like to call them daughter-in-laws <laughs> because it just feels like I was so happy to keep emails in my world. I'm like, <laughs> I love you. I love you. I've been living with five men. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but we have tried to make it a priority where um, we do something just us. Hmm. And, um, you know, so if we can't all do it, then two of us do it. Mm-hmm. So we, we still make it happen. And we just, the guys are not there. We do a big charcuterie board. We just sit by the fire and we just talk. Mm -hmm. And, and that to me has been so beautiful Mm -hmm. where they can share with each other and they share with me. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm kind of like, wow, I'm hearing things about my sons. I didn't. I did not need to know that. <laughs> I mean, I know they're having sex, but I was kind of like, wow, all right, hallelujah. Um, but but I'm like, this, this is a good, healthy thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I am I'm there for them. They, um, my mother-in-law didn't know to do that with me. She didn't, like, I remember one time John and I were in a horrible situation, and he was being just ridiculous, and I was being ridiculous. So we have two people being ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I tried to mention to my mother-in-law that we were in a rough place and I did not know how to get out. And I just remember her saying, well, my son would never do anything like A, B, and C. And I thought, Mm. yes, he does. Mm -hmm. If only you knew. Because he's never been married before. You Mm -hmm. didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And and so like it shut things down. Mm. And so being willing to listen and to be able to hear and then say, I I love the way you're challenging my son to grow. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, oh, he would never, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, I love that marriage is an opportunity for 
my son to grow in a way that I could never have given him. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much that you are helping him with that and um, giving, giving people space to actually flourish in their strengths and finding those strengths when maybe they're missing them Mm -hmm. uh, is, is another role of a, of a godmother to say, I, I see what you're doing right now. And, you know, um, I don't know how much of the book you've been able to scan through because I know how busy you are, but um, I took the story of Cinderella because it is the same story arc as our redemptive arc Hmm. of a rise, fall, rise. And Hmm. I look at this story and you, realize that Cinderella was weaving her garment all along with Mm. kindness, with graciousness, with choosing to make ugly people look good when they did not deserve it, as in her stepsisters. And all the godmother did was reveal what she had been working out. You know, it talks about the bride has made herself ready. When we have righteous acts, we actually are weaving this beautiful garment of our lives that we can't see. Mm-hmm. We can't see it in the time. But I think godmothers come around and say, I know this looks like rags right now, mm-hmm. but it's something beautiful on you, Jordan. It's something beautiful in your marriage. It's something strong for your future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though it's not what you would have chosen, it will come up in another season in another way mm-hmm. of beauty. And it will wrap other people in, in the wonder of its wake. And, it was crazy that uh, there was, I think, 350 to 3,000, they're saying, versions of Cinderella because we all believe there's a prince that is going to come and find us. Hmm. And that glass slipper was her identifier. It was what elevated her. And we have a generation of women who are angry right now, and they're stomping their feet in glass slippers, and they are breaking the very things that would elevate them and another generation is going to walk in broken glass unless we begin to say, listen, anger is not going to get what you want. This Mm. is, this is horrible and this is awful. And there is a time to be angry and upset, but let's not move to a place of rage and wrath where we lose control of what's going on, which gosh, we're seeing that in our culture right now. People need to be heard. But when you say things in such a destructive way, people stop hearing what you're saying and they only see what you're doing. And I feel like that has been a a fallout of people feeling they haven't been heard for a long time, Mm -hmm. but now it's just, we got to have to build constructively Mm -hmm. what has gone unchecked Mm -hmm. and turned destructive. Mm -hmm. So good. That's so good. Um, Something you said in your book that I want to touch on, you said growth always involves a good dose of risk. Um, there's always danger, not in who God created you to be, but to the old ways and patterns you've lived. So I'm curious, Mm -hmm. I think maybe we can kind of start wrapping up here, but what, when we talk about this and this, this story arc and this relational, you know, even hard conversations and inviting those things in and this whole experience, um, I'm curious what you would say when it comes to like vulnerability and accountability and how do we allow ourselves we touched on this in the beginning I think I just kind of want to like bring it all the way back around Mm -hmm. um how do we be vulnerable with our story and seek accountability does that make sense like at the same time because there's the piece where it's like I just need to be a mess right now but then I also need the accountability to grow so how do those two things work in tandem and how can someone who may be godmothering or coming alongside someone else 
I guess, shepherd both? And how can we as those who are being shepherded and mentored be receptive to that? So kind of on both sides. Yeah. Well, I think that vulnerability is a beautiful thing if it's with the right people. Mm-hmm. I think what we have more in our culture right now isn't vulnerability. We have nakedness mm. where people strip and they call it vulnerability. And no, no, that's you're just naked. Mm. And you being naked actually makes me uncomfortable. And I don't, all I want to do is cover you. All I want to do is clothe you. Like all, all I want to do is turn away. And I think that vulnerability should happen in safe spaces. So if, if I want to be vulnerable, I'm going to go to people who are committed to my growth. And so vulnerability says, I'm going to open up my life and share this with you because I know that you are for my growth. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to say to me, Lisa, I'm so glad you shared that with me. And I'm glad you shared that because I know where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So I think when you are, um, when you strip in public and you, and you just maybe, and, and when I say you, I don't mean you, I mean just anybody, because mm-hmm. I think it's gotten confusing. Mm-hmm. It's people are voyeuristic. They will look at you, but they don't know how to cover you in what's going to take you into your next season. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important to be authentic, which means you've been tested. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if we have people that are authentic in our life, those are the people we can be vulnerable with. So I'm going to, I've, I've, we, our pastor used to always say this, you don't even know a relationship's value until you've gone through conflict with them mm. because they may only be a friend until you do something they don't like. Mm. But as soon as you have a disagreement or a conflict, you find out what you actually really have. And so I think vulnerability needs to have that layer. Somebody needs to have lived some life, been tested, walked some paths. And then you can say, I can be vulnerable with you because you're not going to point out my vulnerability as nakedness to everybody else. Mm -hmm. But I think in this culture right now, we have a lot of young people that are just being naked and they think they're being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and really they're just exposing themselves. And you don't want to expose yourself to people who don't care about you. Mm. That's good. That's good. Oh my gosh. So good. Um, I've heard it described almost like the difference between transparency and vulnerability. I've shared this a couple of times in the podcast for anybody who's listened before, but um, just how there's value in being transparent, I think, to a degree, right? Or authentic, kind of like you said, like, hey, this is what's going on in my life at, at more of a surface level. Um, and I think there's value in that. But vulnerability, that's almost like standing the way I've described it as a visual is like, that's like standing in a glass box and allowing people to see in, like you're not trying to hide anything, but you're not mm-hmm. necessarily going to them for help or support, right? It's more just like, hey, here's the real deal. Here's where I'm yeah, at, you know, take it or leave it mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I think vulnerability, and that's what I have a harder time with because it is a little bit more uncomfortable, but vulnerability is more like allowing someone to knock on the glass, break it and come in and, and basically be there with you, serve you, help you in a way that and help yeah. help you grow in a way that you really can't even pr- repay them for in that moment or that season. It's not transactional. Like you said, it's transformational. Um, but I always think of it that way because I think there is value in being transparent, but that you're still kind of trapped in like you're in the box. Like there's still things that you're not allowing everyone in to come and help grow you and support you and do all the things that they could do otherwise. Um, 
And so anyways, I just think that visual sometimes helps me with like, this is a transparent relationship or this is a vulnerable relationship where I can actually really like share the real things or the graphic things or the real thoughts that I'm having, not the like prettied up ones that still are honest, but may not be something that I can be so vulnerable and sharing because every, like you said, that's like stripping in public. Right. So, um, Anyways, that's a really good way to put it. I appreciate your perspective on that. Um, Okay, last question is, if anybody's interested in learning more about being a godmother or finding a godmother or this relationship building um, in this way, where can they find you and learn more and where can they find the book? Yeah, so the book should be, it should be everywhere now. (laughs) Okay, a little challenge with Amazon, but it, it should be anywhere books are sold so they can get at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever the books are are available. Um, and then I think the nicest people are on Instagram. So it's just Lisa Bevere and that's on Instagram. So also there's Twitter and Facebook, but, um, I think Instagram is a a better medium for connection than those Mm -hmm. two, but some people love Facebook. Mm -hmm. I spend more time interacting with my Instagram, just be honest. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, so I, I love that you and I connected through through my son yeah yeah (laughs) so we've never met so I know that we've never met but that doesn't mean that God can't connect people Mm -hmm. in the heart and so I love that I have the honor of reaching out to other people online Um, and I would just say to some people if you've got people that are speaking life into you I know Jordan is very intentional with speaking life she is transparent without being naked Mm -hmm. on her Instagram accounts I think that you can find people that feed your soul and if you find people that you feel nothing but the need to judge them or condemned by or whatever it is you have the right to edit that out of your life and yeah and I just think godmothers help you kind of find your way hmm. on that path. Yeah, that's good. So good. You have the permission to edit that out of your life too. That's a really powerful way to say it. <laughs> Lisa, thank you for your time and for speaking into us. You've spoken so much life and provided so much wisdom and just given us some even some practical steps to take if we're looking for someone to do life with or mentor or be mentored by um, in an organic way and like a human way and not in some weird you know, church programmed (laughs) way that we've gotten, I think, turned off by. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for all that you do to pour into our lives. Oh, absolutely. It's an honor. And I love you, Jordan. You too, my friend. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. In a fast-paced world, Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. 
At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.